Thanks for listening to Shift Your Spirits. I'm Slade Robertson. For 13 years, I've been a professional intuitive counselor and personal development blogger. I try to talk about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most New Age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives, psychics, and healers in a program called Automatic Intuition. It is Sunday, April 28th, 2019, as I record this introduction. This week, I'm talking about managing creative overwhelm. How to handle too many ideas too fast and the impulse to go, 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 followed by the crash of no follow through. There are some practical tools and techniques to make the most of your big ideas. As always, there's an oracle segment at the end of the show, so be thinking about a question or a concern you have. Hold it in your mind, and I'll come back on after the final links and credits and leave you with that message. Before I forget, I want to say thank you to all of you who continue to pledge your support on Patreon. It demonstrates that you're enjoying this show and want it to continue. Listeners who support the show on Patreon can access a guided meditation called Messages from Your Spirit Guides, exclusive bonus episodes, and there's also a mastery level of support where you can download one of my courses for free each month. To find out how you can become a patron, support my time in producing this show, and access the extra bonus content, please go to patreon.com slash shiftyourspirits. My friend Rob and I got into a conversation over lunch about the concept of creative literacy. Even in liberal arts majors and creative arts academic programs, we're not really taught how to manage and follow through on great ideas. Everyone can experience a brainstorm, but do you have a system of barrels and cisterns and wells in place to make the most of that when it does happen? As Rob pointed out, most creative brainwaves end without follow-through. And what a lot of people don't talk about is the overwhelm that comes with a creative state. There is an anxiety that accompanies having a ton of ideas flowing all at once. We talk a lot about how to get to those creative flow states, how to get into them, but when you're in the middle of one, it's kind of the worst time to have to wonder what your process should be or to worry that you don't have a process. Now, I'm experiencing a high creative flow state right now. A lot of people I talk to are also feeling that, and it's great. Energy has been stagnant for months, for me anyway for a few years for some of us, also me. Everything is kind of in Aries now and there's a lot of creative energy and a desire to take action and it's all sort of pouring in now. And so Rob was, you know, kind of asking me what are some of the tools that I use to manage that or is there a way that I can break that down and and actually share part of that process. And I think I can do a pretty good job of grounding it a little bit in some systems and some tools, um, especially to help with this idea of overwhelm. So I'm not so much concerned with, oh, I don't have any creative inspiration. This is specifically about um, what do you do when you know it's the fire hydrant is on and it is all running into the street and there's a sense of panic about that, right? So... My favorite go-to magic wand is a list. Lists are magical. They have an ability to change the perception of things. Um, 
the perceived size of items or problems or concerns or the perceived scope of the to-do cloud that's around your head versus the actual list that ends up on paper in front of you. There's this anxiety about forgetting things more than anything, right? So you kind of keep all these balls in the air mentally. You're spending a lot of mental energy sort of just launching balloon after balloon after balloon and they're all tied to you and they're just all kind of floating around you in this little cloud. And one of the things that lists do is they allow you to put those items somewhere so you don't have to worry about forgetting them anymore and then that sort of frees up the bandwidth. You can take the balloons down, you know, and and there's not so much of a cloud around you. I'm going to talk about checklists in just a bit, which is also another sort of specific way to free up bandwidth. But there's this high that goes along with taking action, taking risks. It feels sort of good. It's profound. And you can really feel on fire, you know, when you're in that state. But the dark side of that energy is what happens when it sort of runs its course or it burns out. There's a crash. That caffeine, that sugar high, that drug is going to crash at some point. And then you're going to realize that you expended a lot of energy starting things without following through on them. And you won't necessarily have the energy left over to follow through if you spin it in the wrong way. You know what I mean? Another tool that actually presented itself to me in a really obvious way when I was traveling with Rob um, last fall was this idea that we should focus on manifesting people, not things, not the stuff, not the to-do list items, not the resources, focus on manifesting people who have those things. Um, you look at that list that you made, you know, and maybe there's like 25 things on it. When you manifest the right person, they may come with 10 or 12 of those items already taken care of. Or they may have the resources to tick those boxes for you without you having to do anything other than asking them collaborate. That's what I mean by manifesting other people. That can be an instantaneous thing. It could be a stranger on the street that you stop and ask for directions. Um, In that moment, you're manifesting a person that can tell you how to get to where you're going. It's a collaboration, whether it lasts 30 seconds or, you know, a couple of years and it's a more formal relationship. Reach out to experts. Instead of telling them about your great new idea, ask them questions. What do they actually want in the area of your big idea? So you can kind of gear the questions that you ask them towards the area that you're interested in. But rather than you telling them what you're making and then getting them their feedback on it, ask them what they want in, in, in the area with, in which you're proposing a solution or an idea or a you know, venture. They'll tell you what to make. They will literally tell you exactly what's missing, what they wish existed. 
and sometimes they'll even help you make it. The number of times that I've been given resources just because I reached out to someone as an entrepreneur in this phase of my life, let's say in the last 15 years, there are so many times that I have reached out to a coder, a developer, a software engineer, an expert, um, a publishing industry person, whatever it might be, and come at them in the right way with a really curious and respectful desire to participate, people can pick up on that authenticity. Now, if someone is close to helping other people, that's their issue. You're not going to manifest them anyway. (laughs) Cross them off your list if you accidentally catch them in your net. Focus on manifesting someone who is, you know, open to participating with you. Um, Just to give you an example of what I'm talking about more recently, with the audiobook production part of my business that I'm moving into, which is one of my big creative um, new states right now. When I said I was in a high creative state, a lot of it is around audiobook production. That's one of the, the new irons in the fire. And I was looking for some resources online, you know, looking for some books on Amazon. I found one in particular that looked really techy. Uh, because I have more questions about some technical stuff to do with software and file types and less about, you know, getting in the spirit of you can do it. Like, I'm, I'm not looking for that kind of pep talk. Um, I was looking for something a little bit more specific. And I ran across this author's book and he was um, a Dutch person. It was still a book written in English, but he was Dutch. I looked him up on Facebook and 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 saw that he did live in Holland. Um, but I noticed something in his book that felt kind of like a sign to me. There were examples that he was using about different kinds of studio space that exist that you can access as an independent producer of an audiobook. And he did... Uh, He linked to a story about my home city, Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our public library built a really state-of-the-art sound production facility, and they use it for learning purposes and um, school programs. But I know a couple people who do their podcasts there. It is something that the public has access to. And he mentioned it as being like a really cool resource that our city had, and because of the timing of my reaching out into the universe, looking for that magic carpet ride of links on the internet that take you to all the things that you were looking for and it all feels perfectly aligned and stuff. So I I was having one of those moments with his book. And so I just decided to um, send him a a friend request on Facebook. And then I followed it up with with a message Um, explaining why I'd sent him the friend request. And I told him the story, the connection with Chattanooga. And I asked him a really technical question um, that I had, you know, and threw some jargon at him so that he would know that, you know, I could kind of speak his language and that I was looking to kind of get a more geeky answer from someone. And, he was so excited by the interaction that within just a few messages back and forth, he um, told me about this 
course that he built and that was available on uh, Teachable. And it was an expensive class. It was like 1500 bucks or something to take this course. And it was really techy looking. And um, he offered me a coupon code to access the course for free if I would give him some feedback about it and you know, let him know if it was what I was looking for, if there were things about it that needed to be changed to make it more accessible for other kinds of authors. So, I mean, that's just an example of something that happens. So when I say manifest the people, that's what I mean. Take an opportunity. Someone crosses your path and you think, you know what, I'm going to Facebook message this stranger. <laughs> just do it. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They can like decline your friend request or, you know, not answer your um, message or if they seem rude or not open, fine, keep on moving. But I can't tell you the number of times that I have reached out to someone who is an expert uh, and they were very generous with their time and their information and sometimes with their resources. Uh, when I was bootstrapping my business and trying to build something online, I got a lot of help from a lot of people uh, that way. And it's one of the reasons I was able to do it at all. Um, people like to share their wisdom. They like to be acknowledged for having it. It's often hard earned and they like to have sort of heirs to receive that information. People who care because no matter who you are, or what field you work in, your family doesn't care about your work and your friends don't want to hear you talk about your work. Your peers want to hear you talk about your work and who really values what you do are the people who are driving down the same road behind you. That's who you want to talk to um, because that's your op opportunity to make a difference for someone else. And it, I think it's motivated by an impulse to sort of go back in time and save yourself, you know? Um, and so when somebody approaches me wanting to know about how to do a podcast or something. I already have a list of resources uh, ready to go. So I can just copy and paste and email it. I'm so excited to think that all the research that I did and spent, you know, maybe weeks or months on can now be reduced to a single email for someone who really wants that information and is going to go and do something with it. And that's really exciting to me. And, um, it, it brings me joy. So don't underestimate the fact that everyone else likes to do that too. We like to be on the you know end where somebody's asking us um, to share. And when we're on the end where we're asking for the information, we often feel like we're bothering people. Now, I do think you need to keep your emails succinct. Don't tell people long, drawn-out stories about your life. Keep it brief. Um really, really respect their time and think about the fact that you may be one of 50 people who's sending them emails like that, right? So it's really easy to answer something that's short and specific. And a lot of people who have taken time to build resources or expertise in a certain area do have things like checklists that they can send you or, um, you know, a favorite resource or a website that they can point you to. So make it easier for them to do it quickly. And I think you're more likely to get a favorable response. Time is the one thing that's limited. It's the one thing 
that you can't make more of. And this is one of my tools, actually. This is one of my subheads in this episode, is this idea about time. You can find more resources, you can manifest more people, you can make more money, but you can't make more time. So that's one of the big things that you have to deal with when it comes to creative overwhelm, creative productivity, getting shit done. If you can work the time part out, then you can graft a plan onto that. So time is the one thing you can be really strict about. If you're religious and disciplined about the time, then you can be creative and you can flow within that structure and you can play and you can be a little bit more um, loose and happy. This is where I use the 3 by 3 strategy. But you can't use 3 by 3 unless you can identify three blocks of time each week. My mentor in writing and publishing and productivity is Tim Grawl. You hear me talking about him uh, when I talk about marketing a lot. Stephen Pressfield, who I also talk about, is um, partnered with Sean Coyne um, in a publishing company called Black Irish Books. You've heard me mention many times Stephen Pressfield's War of Art as one of my big creative Bibles. And Sean Coyne's story grid um, is that type of work specifically for fiction authors and screenplay writers. Um, So Tim's latest book was published by these guys. Um, He's friends with them. He works with them. So Black Irish Books published his latest book called Running Down a Dream. And it's a really personal story about Tim trying to start his own business and, you know, a lot of failures and anxiety and psychological stuff really that he dealt with. It's, it's super vulnerable and very confessional and just really cool. And it represents a lot of why I like him and admire him so much. But, um, in addition to being willing to share how much he sucks at certain things, uh, he's also really, really great about identifying systems and sharing them in this way that I talk about, that um, mentors have this really genuine, authentic impulse to put out their recipes for others, you know? So in Running Down a Dream, which I'll link to, um, on this issue of time and, and creative project management, um, He talks about a few steps that address this in particular. And one of them was to first identify what the shortest path is, meaning find the thing that's going to get you there the quickest, you know, the minimum viable product, or maybe it's the, the aspect of a particular platform that's the easiest to execute. Sometimes there are things that we can do within a month and then other things that have a much longer timeline. So, you know, find the shortest path to get you in the game. And then stop doing everything. And I don't really remember from this note if I meant like stop doing all the stuff or if he literally meant um, I think you just like kind of stop working on stuff and you make your focus just listing everything that you do in a day again some list making, but you write down literally everything that you do. 
and you circle the essential items. And for five days, Monday through Friday, you do an experiment where you only do the essential things. Only those things that you circle that you absolutely have to do, like, you know, feed your children and go to work, you know. Um, So his advice is you do that for, you know, Monday through Friday, and then you kind of evaluate it over the weekend. You journal um, and, and you take a look at really how your time is getting spent. He just says that he does this once a year. He goes into great detail about this in the book. So I'm just sort of giving you the the bullet points, the highlights. But his advice is you create systems for those essential things. And we talk about systems at the level of things like keep your keys in a bowl by the door because you know, finding your keys every morning is an essential thing that needs to happen. And it can take a ridiculous amount of time or it can take one second. And part of the reason why how you can ensure that these essential things get done efficiently is to create a system for them. So a system for finding your keys in the morning can be put your keys in the same damn place all the time, right? Um, And then another thing he talks about is creating checklists for everything you do for multiple reasons, because at some point you may want to delegate uh, some of your activities and it makes it much less personal when you have this really nitpicky, well thought out, well groomed list of steps, as opposed to trying to train someone in the moment and maybe yelling at them for not, you know, doing it in in this certain kind of way. It's less personal if there is a checklist that exists. And so uh, part of one of the things that he's talking about throughout his advice is this idea of preparing your systems in such a way now so that they have time to evolve and sort of um, be trimmed down to their, you know, essential selves and then be shared with other people more easily. Because the idea is that if you put these systems in place now, while it's just you working at some point, there will be other people working with you because you're going to manifest the people to help you. And you can pass these lists off to them. Um, But when you create checklists, you can also identify which items can be outsourced in some way, either to a computer app or to some kind of online service or to an actual person. But all these things, even the keeping your keys in the bowl beside your door, frees up bandwidth. It frees up mental bandwidth, which anxiety loves to hog your mental bandwidth. Running around with your hair on fire looking for your keys every morning is anxiety. So if you're going to carry all this creative stuff coming in, you need as much bandwidth to focus on that stuff with as possible. You don't need to be worrying about little stuff that could be taken care of by simply having some systems in place. Okay. Another thing that he talks about is deciding on your goal you know, what's the goal? Like the immediate goal, not the like five-year plan necessarily, but again, the shortest path. Let's get to A from A to Z. In my case, it's like, what can I execute in the next three months? What phase? 
of this project can be executed. And then you need to get clear about what is driving you in the first place. And he has this theory that he shares called the three F's. Fortune, fame, or fame, or free, or free, freedom. The idea is that you can have some of all of those things. You can have a little fortune, you can have a little fame, and you can have freedom too. Sometimes they all go together. But there is one of those things that is motivating you more than any other. And if you're clear about what is motivating you, sometimes it changes the way in which you choose to work. It changes the things you choose to work on yourself versus the things that you delegate to other people. Um, So there's a little bit of a character analysis thing there where um, not only are you getting clear about your project and your goal, but you kind of need to know what it is that's fueling you in the first place because you may need to go get more fuel sometime. And knowing what part of you is going to light up, um, it's important. It'll come back It'll come back up, especially when you run out of steam or when you're in a low point in the process. Uh, what is it that's going to keep you going? And then, you know, after talking about those principles, he gets to this whole thing with scheduling creative time. And his advice around that is very similar to The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, this concept of having artist dates. And my version of that is the three-by-three strategy. Now, I have a major new project that I need to find a whole new string of three-by-three slots for. Two years ago, I did a three-by-three to start this podcast. And I spent three months and then I launched it. And you know what? A lot of those time slots remained in place. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. In the mornings, I work on podcasting stuff. Sometimes that's interviewing people. Sometimes that's recording a segment like this. Sometimes it's tinkering with the, you know, putting the stuff on my blog so that you can play it from my website, you know, whatever it might be. But I'm always um, doing something in these designated time periods. Now, yes, I was able to shrink some of that and reclaim it after I got it going and, and got some flow and some ritual around it and was able to create some checklists and some systems. But here I am now and I'm like, okay, ooh, I have a new project. I can't stop the ones that are going on. So I actually have to find time. I don't know where I'm going to find it. That's the point. Like now I have to find more and it's a limited resource. And I'm looking for three actions per week for three months. That's the three by three. So where am I going to find another time slot? You have to be really honest and brutal with yourself, but you can find it. I hear these horror stories about people who get up at four o'clock in the morning and do it, you know, write their novels before anyone wakes up and their day gets started. I hear even worse horror stories about the people who stay up at night after their kids are asleep and work into the wee hours of the morning. And I am not a nighttime worker at all. So it has to be morning for me. I know that. 
Okay, so being really brutally honest with myself and making a list of everything that I actually do in a day, um, the first thing on that list would be a little cluster of activities that take place in the first hour that I'm up that include waking up, feeding my pets, drinking water, making coffee, turning on the news, depending on how I'm feeling, um, sitting down and, and drinking that coffee with the news on in the background and checking my email and looking at Facebook and seeing if I have instant messages, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, probably a lot of us reach for that in the morning. Um, I do that for like an hour, honestly. So, you know, I can steal that from myself for something important. I can man up. I can take that hour of leisurely morning stuff and I can use it for work at least for three months, right? Let's do it for three months and see what happens. Cause that's the point I'm going to execute. I'm going to get this thing out there. Then maybe it won't take so much time or, you know, I may find some other strategies for working it in, or it could be the case that with a lot of projects, you know, once there's a launch or once there's an end of one phase going into another, sometimes the time demands change. But right now, I'm thinking if I can steal that hour, that early morning hour, and just be a grown-up, I can get a lot done with that. Because this podcast takes about five hours a week to produce and if I have to do another comparable audio type project, that's five more hours than I can rescue. So that's, that's really useful. And here's a little secret tweak to my three by three that I don't usually mention because it, it's not elegant. It doesn't go along with the three so well. I do four or I do five because if I'm going to find that hour three times a week in the morning, I might as well just do it every day in the morning, four or five times. That also allows for disruption. Something happens one morning. Okay, fine. I've got four other to work with. My goal here is just to do it three. So I'm building in some padding. And you know, if you can do it three mornings, you can do it four, right? And maybe you still have that one morning that you take it easy and you do your coffee and your news and your journaling or whatever. I think that's kind of healthy. Maybe you just you know reward yourself. On Fridays, I do the, the lazy thing that I always like to do. The other tool or insight for me is how important quarters are in terms of managing time and projects and running a business and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about the seasons three-month periods. The hardest thing to cope with for me in this entrepreneurial world is the roller coaster. There's a roller coaster of money. It's either feast or famine. There's a roller coaster of work coming in. It's either flowing and everybody's wanting a piece of you or it's like a dead zone. The sails are flat. You're not moving at all. Or it's an emotional roller coaster. It's like up and down, highs and lows, like, yay, I'm awesome, I'm brilliant. And then, you know, the lows are, oh my God, I suck. Who am I to think I can do this? You know, all that stuff. So what I found is that 
quarters are a more realistic time span for analyzing things like financials or productivity. Quarters sort of smooth out the roller coaster into more of a trend line, not so much a jagged up and down, but more of a smooth flowing line. Many projects or project phases will fit really nicely in a quarter. Like 90 days is a really good um, rough draft period, first draft period for a longer book project. And a quarter is really good for a rewrite edit period. And then another quarter is really good for a launch and marketing period. You see what I'm saying? Um, There are some projects that you can entirely finish in one quarter, like launching a podcast. I did it. Planning a whole year is too much. You know what? Reality changes too much. Um, So quarters are the right amount of time to execute something and then evaluate if anything's changed before planning a whole other set of stuff. Quarters also enough time to execute an emergency contingency plan if you needed to, like if you needed to really shift gears for some reason, or you needed to make up for lost income, or let's say you're like, oh man, I really, you know, mismanaged this whole thing. I need to go get a job for some cash flow, maybe just temporarily, but you know, three months might be a decent amount of time for you to go and, and find a job if you need to go back to work. Um, or, you know, three months is a is a reasonable amount of time to work through some kind of just rough patch. You know what I mean? But the time to sit down and plan all this is now, while you're fired up. There's a tendency to want to go be in the center of the hurricane and just feel the magic and the flow coming through your body and like straight to the canvas, you know. Um... But when you come down from that high, you're usually spent. You don't have the motivation to continue at that same speed. And you didn't save enough motivation to put a more realistic system in place either. And the last thing you feel like doing is like, oh, I'm going to create a system right when you crash from your caffeine, sugar, creativity high. So... If you're in creative overwhelm or even just really in the zone wanting to make a project happen, take a few hours, whether you're feeling really on top of it or you're feeling like you're drowning. Take a couple of hours, go have some tea or some coffee, do an artist date at a cafe, take your laptop, your tablet, your sketchbook, go have a meeting with yourself and make a big ass list. Just make a big list. Then identify the three blocks of time. Pull them out of your ass, out of thin air. They're there if you really want it badly enough. Steal them from some other lazy, unproductive part of your life. And then start sorting those items on your lists into quarters. What goes in the first month? What goes in the second month? What goes in the third month? Divide it up in threes. If you find that you have a whole lot of leftover stuff that doesn't go somewhere and needs more time, call that phase two and do that in the next quarter. 
once you start to see this on paper, it, it you know, you, your own Miss Busy will take over and, 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 and start putting it all together. But psychologically, what it does is it just takes a lot of feelings that you have about what's coming in. And it takes a lot of anxiety that you have that you're going to somehow lose one brilliant piece of this puzzle and puts it somewhere safe and makes it manageable and changes your perception about how big and terrible and awful and scary it is. Now, once you're at that point, go manifest the people who are going to be involved. This could be some kind of incubator program. It could be a small business workshop. It could be a meeting with a CPA. It could be sending emails to your heroes or Facebook friend requests to the big fish in your genre. And sometimes a class that you might sign up for can be part of your 3 by 3 And you know what? If you want to make me one of those people, I'll walk you through the 3 by 3 One of my most recent clients wants to launch a podcast. And this is really cool because I've done this and I did a 3 by 3 to do it and I already have some lists to work with. And so I'm like, ooh, yes, I can walk you through that plan. Let's do it. I know for sure how to get from A to Z. That's actually my favorite kind of job in the whole world. Like that kind of mentoring. And you get all the bonus of my fabulous psychic ability (laughs) but um seriously three sessions with me over the course of three months what's your project hit me up thanks again for listening to the shift your spirits podcast for show notes links transcripts and all the past episodes please visit shiftyourspirits.com you can subscribe in apple podcasts spotify stitcher or whatever app you prefer if you'd like to get an intuitive reading with me or download a free ebook and meditation to help you connect with your guides please go to sladeroberson.com and if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program you can start the course for free by downloading the attunement at automaticintuition.com Before I go, I promise to leave you a message and answer to a question or concern you may have. So take a moment to think about that. Hold it in your mind or speak it out loud. I'll pause for just a few seconds right now. Ideas are brewing with potential and possibilities for the future, and you are attracting resources for your new venture. Use common sense and practicality to expand your growth and make an impact in the real world. The universe is supporting you on this expansion. Ask and you shall receive. And I'll talk to you later.